It's June, Johnny, and it's time for another Talk About That. Doing it. Yeah, man. We are uh, entering a new month into the summer months. Oh, man. Warmer Doesn't it weather? feel like this year has just flown oh, by? It's been just one of those good years, hasn't it? Yeah, it's like some years just have a thing where you're like, man, where does the day go? <laughs> Just so much getting done. People are out there living their lives. Mm, nothing to see here. Yeah, I, you know, I wrote the other day in a uh, a book proposal. I was like, I was talking about the state of affairs in the world today. I was like, it kind of is like Lieutenant Frank Drebin when he stand. I described the whole scene. Oh, he's standing yeah. in front of the exploding fireworks, the fireworks yeah. factory, you know, and people are. I mean, it's just like this spectacle, spectacle behind him. The spe- a spectral. <laughs> just stand there, his back to it. Nothing to see here. Move along, folks. I was like, that's kind of how it feels right now. But, yeah. you, know, you know, hey, man, it could be worse, Johnny. It could always be worse. Don't say that. What are you doing? My electricity went out the other night again. You poor thing. I'm going to tell you, I had to, um, I had to, um, I had to, like, um, sorry, we had to make an adjustment there. I had to... Really check myself and kind of repent, to be honest with you. You got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Uh, I, I, I pouted like a little baby. Like, this is the fifth time in, um, like, the last... I remember in the Book of Lamentations, a lot of that was about loss of power. It was. It was. I think... It was like, how long, oh, Lord? <laughs> Will we not have our microwave? Yeah. No, I just... You remember know, when the prophet Jeremiah lost Wi-Fi, and he just, he wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> Well, again, I get it. I mean, that's why it's that confession of like, it was like, it was just the straw. It was like, because we've lost it three to four days, several times. And I was like, I don't think I can do this again because my mom lives with us. It gets hot upstairs. I got to deal with keeping all the food from ruining. Like, you know, there's like, you just go into the, to to the whole process again. I was just mad. Like I did. I, I finally was like, I've been working on the whole um, rejoice always, even in your sufferings. So I was like, this is, I am so immature and dumb. Like, you this is that, so dumb. That's what you I'm saying. think it's suffering. I can't even get through a power outage. And it's funny you use the word straw because that's another thing. They took, they try to take our straws away, John. Oh my goodness. The taking the straw is a straw. The infringement the, upon our personal liberties. Listen, don't give me some paper straw that's going to disintegrate. <laughs> I want a plastic straw that's going to destroy the world. <laughs> I tell you, it you know, they have metal to, straws now. People that carry their own straws with them. Yeah. Yeah, you bring it in. It's a little collapsible. I've seen the ones that like are a little collapsible. But a they, straw that you couldn't take on an airplane because it might be considered a weapon. I think that may be too far. You could far. hurt somebody with that straw. Absolutely. Remember the straws that you would get with the icy that have the little scoop on the end? Weren't I those do. the best? They still have them, don't they? I don't know. What's the are last those, time you had are those legal? I don't know, but those are contraband now. There needs to be a name for that, kind of like a spork. This it's would a, be like a it's a, a strong sprawn. It's a strewn. <laughs> a sprawn. Sprawn. It sounds like it sounds like yeah, it's a superhero. Yeah. yeah. Or it's I like, am Sprawn. And he comes out <laughs> well, of a super villain. A backstory. He lost both parents, not just the one. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. tough. That is tough. Well, when you're the child of a spoon and a straw, yeah. you know, the, the longevity of your parents' life was already in question. It really was. Both of those are disposable, Johnny. Poor Sprawn. And isn't life in itself, when you think about it, oh it's but goodness. a vapor. It is. They remove the paper and throw you away within a few Life years. is but a paper. That's not... <laughs> we're being stupid. <laughs> I was oh, going to ask you today, because I was yeah. thinking about this... Because I have a niece who is 12, mm-hmm. and she, uh, I think she's not at the age yet that I reached, that most teens, or maybe it's only boys, but I know girls, it has to happen, where you get that too cool for your parents thing. Mm-hmm. When is that? Has Sadie reached that? Is she getting there yet, or is it going to be a thing? Because y'all haven't been in public in a while. So back when, when we get to public again, yeah. and you're at the mall, is she going to want to walk 10 feet behind you? Do you know, do you know the age <laughs> I'm talking about? I don't think we're there yet. I hope we never get there. I actually try to precursor her, like, hey, you know, we never want you to be right. that kid. We're going to do our best not to embarrass you. But sometimes it's not about you. It's a weird thing, like kids. Yeah, and some parents are more embarrassing yeah. than others. But you've talked about, like, not trying to be the cool dad. But it's hard not to. Like, you want to, <laughs> you know. Sadie is a Sadie is a snuggler. So that, yeah, that plays to our good. advantage. You know what I'm saying? She she loves to, and, you know, again, loves to take walks. Like, today it's raining, uh, and I was like... Well, we might not get our walk today. She's like, "Ooh, we could take a drive." Like she wants to be together. That's cool and spend time. You but know? you're her only option right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> For companionship. Yeah, I was her ticket out of here. So yeah. Um, 
But no, I, I don't know. I hope not. I mean, again, she's very... Uh, Do you think you're cooler than the other dads? Mm. It's an honest question. I don't think I'm cooler than anybody. Uh, like, here's what I think. I don't think Sadie is embarrassed of me. But some dads but are could, more embarrassed. But I could do things that would embarrass her. Yeah. But I think but just, that's kind of fun, too. I would think that'd yeah. be pretty fun. Like, I don't have kids, so it's hard for me to even put myself in this position. But I just remember thinking, yeah. I mean, we drove, like, hoopty cars, too. So I remember thinking, like, drop me off yeah. a quarter mile before the mall, Mom. But yeah. part of that was the car. It wasn't just about her. Yeah. I was most... We lived a quarter mile from the school. Yeah. And we never walked to school because like the, the whole road would be backed up with cars pulling mm-hmm. into the school. But you'd still go get in that line. But yeah. And, but we would walk home sometimes. Yeah. And I was super embarrassed by that. But there's not a line coming home of cars. You're embarrassed just, that you had to walk home? I was embarrassed that people would see not, me walking to home. To not get picked up? It just made, huh. it doesn't, it's, it's like shame and embarrassment, especially as a child is very nonsensical. Cause you thought of what made you look poor or something. I don't think it, I don't think I had any conclusions to it. Just being seen at all, doing something well, yeah, different than you want to have a car when you're in high school kid, especially you want to be well, seen. I mean, everybody like knows we have a car. I don't, I don't think like, it's so funny how logical I am now. Like, yeah. I, well, what do you mean? What were you thinking? Like, I think at that age, the embarrassment has no logic. That's true. It's just like, look, this is just something different than all the other kids are doing. You're terrified of standing out. We've talked about that before, about how when you're a kid, you're terrified of standing out. And as you get older, you're almost terrified of blending in and just being like everybody else. Like, at least maybe that's just me as a creator. Maybe some people aren't that way. They still want to kind of like, I just need to get to where I'm not. I don't stand out. But I think to me, like the idea that I would live a very mundane existence. Yeah. It's more terrifying to me than when I was a kid and I was afraid of, of, of standing out. It's fascinating. Yeah. I was thinking about that yesterday, the whole nineties, eighties and nineties type, especially in evangelical culture that you're told that you're made for something spectacular. Right. And only you could do it. Right. And people like you and I, I think who have a creative bent, you know, we really like, Man, that makes sense to us. That really like yeah. aligns with what we already feel about ourselves. But it's a lot of pressure too. It is, and then you start also evaluating your worth based off of those creative either gifts or those creative accomplishments. How mm-hmm. far did I make it? Have yeah. I have I fulfilled that manifest destiny calling, whatever you want to call it? And I was thinking yesterday about that. Like, you know, I'm more I'm more content now. Like, I, I find more contentment in the mundane. Yeah. And I have to like separate the things I do like, but I don't know how to separate the feeling that I want to accomplish something very unique and spectacular. I don't think that's gone away. In fact, I've tried to get rid of it. Like, I don't know how to get rid of that. Like, I do want to write the book that everybody read that was different than anything else. You know what I'm saying? I do want to you know lead in a way that people follow. And I think what I'm getting at is, you know, may just not be that the the content of the topics may not need to be unique to me. Yeah. I think we were just having a conversation right here before we came on with somebody else and they were talking about, um, what to post or not to post. Yeah. Um, with There's know, so the, much noise on social media. Yeah. And you know, you had, you had the, the George Floyd, you know, just horrible thing that happened. And they were like, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't want to feel pressured into saying, and I said, you know, one thing I do know is Instead of you trying to come up with your opinion of what to say, which is what we all try to do, mm-hmm. what we can do is just express what the gospel already says. You right. know, it's always right. We can say the gospel says this is wrong and, and that we shouldn't do this. And so, like, I'm coming to that place of my creativity. The most important, maybe, um, I guess, contribution to the world that I may give, it may come through a unique expression, but it probably shouldn't be a unique amount of, it shouldn't be unique content. It should be content that already works for everybody that was already true before I was born uniquely expressed through me. So like there's that feeling that that kind of releases the pressure. I'm not trying to now come up with a new gospel or a new yeah. way of living. I'm really discovering what was already there and the yeah. people way before you put me. your stamp on it though. Yeah. And I'm finding a way. In fact, it says in, oh Johnny, mm. I'm going to mess this up. Oh, I can't oh my goodness. I'm it says gonna, in Titus maybe? You going to Titus? It's not in it's Titus. A, it's a short book. I think it's in James. Nobody ever quotes Titus and it's upsetting. Titus is a good book. I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can do it right now. Go I for it. I don't want to. Something about Onesimus is in there. 
<laughs> or one's Emus, if you want to really. Oh, one's Emus. One's Emus. On, 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 Onisimus. And then you have Onisiphorus. Uh, yeah. Onisiphorus was the other one. That's where Onesimus lived. He lived in the Onesiphorus. <laughs> you can't, sometimes you can't see the Onesiphorus <laughs> for the Onesitrees. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Bible names. Oh, my goodness. No, it was, it, there's a Greek word that mm-hmm. has to do with, uh, it's just a word for work or for do. Yeah. But one of its translations is, so basically like fulfill your calling or go do the thing that God calls you to do. One of its true like meanings down in the depths of it has yeah. to do with the stage, like almost like a play. And, and like, it really always spoke to me that th- the truth is the script of who I am in Christ is already written, you know, yeah. and my goal is not, well, I think a lot of us in evangelical Christianity kind of thought, what's my turn to say what this is? And really it's my turn to give the word was rendition. I give my rendition of that script, but I don't change it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I oh, might, it's like Shakespeare. Yeah. I never, what scripture is that? Oh, I have to go find it. Cause that reminds me of, uh, who was it? Was it Shakespeare? No, Thoreau that said, uh, Oh me, oh life of the questions of these recurring. And then the, it's basically the, the famous part of it is that the powerful play goes on and you may render a verse. Yeah. You may contribute a verse. When to me, it's less of me writing a verse. Who wrote that? It might have been Thoreau. It's less of me writing a verse and more of there is a script of the way to live already given to me that I need to learn these lines and deliver them according to my way. That's yeah. why you can have one actor play the same part and he, he t- totally right, breaks his, something different. It's still his it. verse, but it's, it's a yeah, rendition, it's his, uh-huh. but it's not a rewrite. And that really freed me create, creatively. Like, I don't need to, listen, man, I don't feel the, the need anymore on a Sunday morning or whatever to like split the atom. Like, I need to really do a good job of completely taking what's already powerful yeah. and expressing it rightly through my, I mean, my and own finding examples. three T's that go with it. Right. Just and like <laughs> putting it into alliteration, <laughs> make sure it rhymes. I don't do a lot of alliteration. I think anymore. if God, I think if God, as he, you know, as he uh, inspired people to write the Bible, if he had known how obsessed he would be with rhyming, <laughs> you know, he'd be like, he had no idea that he we would were, start babble all over again. Like, you know what? I'm done with this. Like, these pre these preachers are really going to be obsessed with this having to rhyme. Maybe it's hip hop. Do you think hip hop culture contributed to that? Maybe like it, like it needed to be wrapped up. And I mean, rap, like I'm, both rap oh, wow. works there. It needed to be wrapped. We've. Wow. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't know. I mean, I guess I mean, he should have known it's God, but I'm saying like, we've taken it. We need to like, it's, 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 it's because of our intellect, our human intellect. We need it to be, it's like the Brady bunch. We talked about this. We, we can't watch a four hour movie, but we can watch 10 episodes of friends in a row. Yeah. So that's kind of what the, the byline of the sermon does for us. It's like, all right, don't worry. These are all going to start with the letter P. <laughs> So stay with me. And if it rhymes, all the better. It makes it even. So we've kind of conditioned our brains, maybe. Yeah, it really does. I, I was real bad at it. And part of that was my education. I don't think it's ground. wrong, though. I'm not saying that to make fun of that. I'm just saying it's fascinating to me. No, but I do it less now because, like, last Sunday I had one point. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to talk about one thing. Yeah. You know, and that was it. And, and I'm, I'm trying to get better at, like... One point. That's just a sermon. That's just uh That's now you just... That's not better to me, John. Give me two T's. That's the point, Give though. me two Q's. Nobody ever uses Q for alliteration. You know what? Don't quit. Don't quack. <laughs> That's if you're a duck. The, the, the reason I really stopped is, is when I went back, I would sometimes want to get kids together who I'd had for a decade. Yeah. And they listened to 50 sermons a year uh-huh. from Pastor John. Right. So if they were there from seventh grade till graduation, mm-hmm. that's six years. That's 300 sermons, right. not counting leadership retreats. Trips where I'd pull them aside for devos. Yeah, and my guess is somewhere around three fifty. Mm-hmm. Some of these kids, like Seth or whoever, you know, heard throw that the whole time. And I would, I would pull them together sometimes and go, "All right, three hundred and fifty sermons yeah. I've laid out my entire life, you know, right. for you. Can somebody remember one? Right? Can you remember one thing? And it's I've had a few kids who can remember like, well, they don't remember what it was really about. Yeah, but they'll remember like a funny illustration I used, maybe. Uh huh. Something I said accidentally that was wrong. They always remember that. Right, sure. I mean, that time that you cussed and you didn't mean to, you know, or whatever, like yeah. something like that. Very few. And then a couple like, or, or, or something super illustrated 
Remember that time you had that box with the candle on on fire inside of it? I don't remember what it was. You know, like, they just remember that, you know. Like, it, that was fire safety demonstration. <laughs> Guys, that was, <laughs> that was not helping a you find the emergency exit. <laughs> that was stop, drop, and roll, the sermon. <laughs> Sometimes you got to stop, drop, and then roll away from the sin. <laughs> Stop doing it. Drop what brought you to it. (laughs) And roll on through it. (laughs) When you grab the extinguisher of the Holy Spirit, you got to pull the pin. Uh, What's the pin? I want to know. I don't know what the pin is. It's a. You can't. Cousin, isn't that just like our Lord? You know? Before you spray it at the sin, you got to pull the pin. Oh my goodness! This work. is not that far off of some things that we. No, it's yeah. not, and that's the thing. But yeah. I, you know what's funny? I remember I may have said this before, but my youth group, uh, the first youth group that I was in, that I remember like really being impacted and wanting to like follow Jesus. I think about it all the time, but the thing that I remember is not how many kids were there. I cannot remember how many kids were in my youth group at all. The thing that we obsessed about the most, which mm-hmm. was we got to get 40 people here at least because then it feels like something people would want to be a part of. Like it was probably like 10 or 11 kids. I can't remember, but I remember that my youth pastor cared about me and yeah. I really felt like he loved God and he was trying to do this thing. And it impacted me. I don't remember the games we played. I remember a couple of games. Yeah. But I just remember, I remember, here's one thing I really remember a lot is that I would come to him after service sometimes and I would be like, I need you to pray for me about something. And I was almost saying it like be praying for me. Mm-hmm. And he would always stop right there and go, let's pray right now. Yeah. And I remember him doing that like more than once of me kind of almost saying, pray for me. I'm having an issue with my girlfriend or I'm whatever. I'm failing this class in school. And he would go, let's pray right now. Yeah. And it was a very immediate to him. He wanted to show me, I care about this right now in the moment. And that meant more to me. I remember that more than any game, more than any retreat, more than any sermon, that he cared about me. So I think that's the thing that we forget uh, to do as leaders. We're like, let's make sure that we look cool or let's make sure it rhymes. And really, it's just about being there. Yeah. No, I think probably about, and that's encouraging. And I think kids do. I, I remember those things too as a youth. But I think probably by the time we got here, we had really, I, I knew that the growth, the need for growth, which is a thing, an unchecked box in yeah. my life all the time I got to deal with in church. It's the unchecked box of my church existence mm-hmm. or of my life. I mean, I prayed that the other day. Like there's a lot of things I can check the box and say, well, I've experienced that, experienced that, you know, like church growth thing continues. It's still the evaluator. I just have to choose to disengage. It's how I'm evaluated, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, my platform is evaluated by it. So if I if I pitch a book, they're going to want to know, oh, you're a pastor. Next question. How many people in your church? Uh-huh. So like it, I am quantified by it, yeah. and I'm also, I feel somewhat, um, not powerless, but that it's not the right thing for me to seek. It's just not. I've spent too many years. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm not saying I don't affect it. I'm not saying it's random. I'm just saying God's able and I have had a large ministry when I was a youth pastor before, comparatively, if you want to use that. It's not, he's proven he can do whatever he wants to do, put people in seats, not. But even then, when we had that large ministry, back to that, like, I remember that happened when we weren't looking for it. Right. And um, truthfully, that sounds real cliche, but we really didn't look for that. We, we, we started doing what you're talking about. We really tried to be there for one another um, and have them be there for one another. And There's your next based. book, bro. Stop looking for it. Mm. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. When you stop, that's what you people drop. used to say. That's what you always say to sing. When you drop and you stop, that's the thing people used to say when you're single. Yeah. Like when you stop looking for then her, then they'll be there. That's when it's going to happen. Oh my and you're God. like, sure enough, I was on the toilet, and there she came. <laughs> the like, last place I expected. In here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, sweetie, and you just knew that's the one. Hi, I'm John. She totally um, encroached on your personal space. And you're like something about this girl. <laughs> She oh, saw me on the most vulnerable moment. Tales all this time. No, but you're right. But the number thing is hard because it's not the indicator. It's an indicator. Like right. you couldn't go to a church and say, well, we have 10 people. We've had 10 people since the 1980s. And say something's not wrong. Say, Yeah, you right. couldn't just be like, well, we're just doing what we can with what we have. Yeah. And then you listen to a sermon like, this guy's driving people away. This yeah. clearly is a problem. I think it's almost like 
it's an indicator. It's like you wouldn't go to your doctor and him go, your cholesterol is high. And you'd be like, listen, I don't really get into numbers, doc. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> right. Your cholesterol is 500. Yeah, I don't really believe in that. Yeah. Um, we just are going to live our healthiest life that we can yep. with our abstract concept of what health is. Although I will tell you. In my case, yeah, my doctor will tell me yours is familial, and you really can affect it. Right, like you, this is a. It's funny, but I, he gives you a pill to help with it. But he says it might not help. It if might you not could matter. take a pill and grow your church numbers, would or would you do it or not? Are you John? talking about church growth hormone? I, mean, I am. So <laughs> CGH. CGH. So yeah, send it on. No, it, it does. You're right, and that's a thing. For me, I believe it is an indicator. It is a metric. Yeah, and. But everybody else around me, I feels like to feels like to them, no matter what they say, it's the it's indicator the and the it's metric. It's hard because there's a there's a lot of faithful pastors who will never have a church over 200, which like I think they said 80 percent of churches in America are under 200 people, right? So it's the majority of people right. don't have mega churches, and so there are faithful pastors who are doing the right things and even have like strong ministries, powerful ministries with small churches. And then we all know mega church pastors who just kind of fell backwards into it yeah. because they live in a great location. Where there's a lot of like young, I mean, you, you know, I mean, there's just areas of the country where it's just easy to grow a, a large church, uh, and so yeah, there's there's that, and there's the happy medium of like just be the best that you can be and pastor the people that God's put in your path, I guess. Yeah, and I think there's a line there between we are certainly as a staff we want to grow, we believe God grows His church. That's not cliche. That's scripture. We also believe that we make disciples. We have a role. We believe that there's some mystery slash sovereignty in the middle of that. From a personal standpoint, I know this. If I would have had everything in church growth that I wish I would have had, there's a good chance I wouldn't have done the things in writing that God wanted me to do to that level. Because it is a hard balance, even with the congregation our size. But I'm supported in it, you know, and I'm able to use nights, weekends, days off, those kinds of things to do a lot more than if we had a church of 10,000, I'm not sure. Because I know friends who have churches Yeah, of 10, your responsibilities 000. would be a lot more intense. Yeah, and they're struggling to hold between the lines sometimes. And it's funny, our friend Mike Burnett, who's a pastor of the fastest growing church in America, you know, and we just wrote a book that's in editing now with Zondervan. You found a way to plug it. JohnDriver.com. Uh, anyway, I'm <laughs> just kidding. And, you know, Mike, we talk about church growth in there a lot, and I love his perspective on it. From a guy who is a large church guy, yeah. it really has affected me deeply. He uses the parable of um, the talents, and he says, look, here's the deal. The Bible says God gave to each one of them according to their ability. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that's so offensive to us today to say that. But the master, God in the story, it was a key point. God knows what you are capable of and he gives you what you are capable of. And it shouldn't be some dig on your pride that he thinks you're a two talent guy. Mm-hmm. It, he goes, I'm, he goes, I honestly don't know if I'm, apparently God thinks that we can handle this many people and I'm not sure that we can. It's all his. It all goes back to him in the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And none of it was theirs. There's a real, like, this is not mine and I'm just stewarding something for the time. And it shouldn't matter how much it is. It doesn't give me an excuse not to grow or to be wise in the way that I lead. But again, some church growth stuff gets gross for me in church planting because we, we you and I both know guys, uh, not not know guys, but know trends where people are like, hey, we found out that Mount Julius is the fastest growing city in America. Let's move there and start a right. church. Like it was a real, and the demographics there, it's, they're young and, and they're right. of, of this race and they make this amount of money. There's their per capita. And they're, and it's like, it's a real, I'm going to, I'm going to take advantage of a socioeconomic situation yeah. where I know church growth could be easier, you know, as opposed, and then there's some, like I have a friend right now who's, who's about to pastor a church in a major inner city where it's a huge homeless populate population, mm-hmm. you know, and, and on purpose, he's going to where like, neither one are wrong. They're both good. And God calls us and God gives us choices. And somewhere between there, we, we find our way, but how are you going to evaluate his success? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think it's just a, it's just a matter of getting to, I, I'm, I still have to deal with it, but I'm more at peace to say, look, I'm not sitting here, not expecting to grow. I actually see growth. I just evaluated the number as one of the things I want to make disciples. We really, that's why we exist. We exist to be and make disciples. So can I see that today? How would I evaluate that? That's the real question. The church doesn't know how to ask one evaluates about how many people come to your church. Another evaluates how good the preacher is. Another evaluates by how much they read their Bible that day. Another evaluates it by their quiet time. Another evaluates it by how much they gave. Like we're trying to go, okay, 
are there true biblical ways to kind of sharpen those ways of looking at each other? And we feel like in community we found all those things are good, but they need to exist in community because here's the deal. You can have a lot of those. I mean, again, I just wrote, I've written for some very wealthy people and a couple of them have said some things. They said, look, when you have the means, writing a check is the easiest thing you can do to make it go away. But if you want to really care, if you want to really be generous, then giving your time or being invested in it for real, learning about it, being invested in it with your time, that's giving. That's generosity. So the money matters, but it's not like the money suddenly makes your heart right. Right. It's just one example. Of, you know, None of these things we do can make our heart right. So by the way, I found that scripture. Okay. It's one you know. Was Titus. James. I knew it was in James. Uh, I was going to say James or Peter. James one twenty two is be ye but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So the word be and not I'm going to pronounce it as I see it. It may be pronounced differently in the Greek. Guys, I'm not a Greek scholar, I just have the internet. It looks like genomai, and it means to come into existence, to appear in history, or to come upon the stage. And then doers is poetis, which is kind of like poetry. It means maker, producer, author, performer, or poet. And so basically it's saying, be, come into existence, appear in history, come upon the stage where you are, this doer, like you're, you're, you're doing something to what has been given to you, doers of the word. Yeah. You know, you are the performer of this. You right. are the poet of this. So get on the stage and give your personal rendition with your life, not just your words, with your life. Yeah, and that kind of goes along with the scripture in Ephesians that talks about how uh, we're doing the good works that Christ Jesus laid out for us long ago. Ephesians right? 2.10. Right, Ephesians 2.10. So yeah. it's that thing of, it's almost like we're just falling into a role. It's like when you're doing something good, You've the reason it feels right is because it's what you were built to do. Yeah, uh, and you're just playing that role now. Yeah, but you didn't come up with it. Right. You get to add. Yeah. Not to the content of it. You certainly get to add to the expression of it, and that's yeah. the beauty of it. It's interesting. Yeah, but you, I, I love that. You know, Paul called it according to my gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, he would say that, and for him, he was specifically talking about those who were twisting the gospel to say that you could gain salvation by circumcision or by other good works that you did. And it's so funny, funny, not ha-ha funny, Johnny, but, um, <laughs> you know, we use that term, well, he fell from grace. He fell from yeah. grace. When somebody has a moral failure, has an affair, something like that, the only real time in the New Testament that I read the term fallen from grace, uh, or you have fallen from grace, is Paul speaking to those who try to earn their salvation through their works. That was falling from grace, not those who sin and right. struggle. Those because they fell from a grace mindset, right? They were judging by law again. It's the exact opposite of the way we. In fact, I mean, not only the opposite meaning; it's the opposite intention. Mm-hmm. The intention of grace was as you recognize your sinfulness. It doesn't mean you run off and sin on purpose, but you will sin, and you recognize your need. There's your next book, bro. That's this is why you feel so much peace is because you've already made enough things. Now where you're like, look, I'm good. This is why. <laughs> You're like, I'm all set. This is why you feel less pressure now. I do wonder sometimes how much of my feeling that I've accomplished, that I have fulfilled my role on this stage is tied to like creative works, you know, yeah. and that's something I have to, because my real role on the stage most likely is as a husband and a father, as one in community and that these creative things are a part of what I do. But I have to balance yeah. that as well. Like, you know, I don't know. I was thinking about that the other day and I even tweeted it, uh, I think, and it was like. I've, there's an old like African proverb that says when an old person dies, it's like an entire library burned down. Hmm. But my older relatives really never set foot in a library. <laughs> so I don't come from, I come from hillbilly people. <laughs> so it's like when one of them dies, it's like a dollar general got demolished. <laughs> this is how it feels. It's different. It's a different <laughs> it's vibe. A different but feeling. it really will be a library for you because you've written like 12 books. Uh, it's going to be like a library burned down. See, now I have to, it's 13, 15 books, 82 uh, It's crazy. Books. I'm writing number 25. Right 25 yeah. books for John. Yeah, but I don't want to see now. I've quantified and I've lost all the value of it. Oh my goodness. Are you going to divide these books into testaments? Like when you get to a certain <laughs> level, you're going to be like, this is the new. When I turn 50, it's like, here's the new testament. It's the new covenant. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Some of them, again, a couple of those were like children's books we wrote here, you yeah. know? But they and I did. They did rhyme, Johnny. All of my children's books rhyme. Well, children's books should rhyme. Well, not necessarily. But when you become when you become a man, you put away childish things, John. Well, you know, I still look. Listen, a little fish named Nelly. Yeah, 
I wouldn't mind one day on the podcast reading a little fish named Nelly to the to the listeners on this podcast. Yeah, no. Why? Because because I, think I won't let you keep hawking your wares. I'm not hawking. There's no way to buy it. Oh, that's true. It's just something like that's a story I would love to share because I think they would enjoy that story. I I read it to a publisher. That was the way we pitched it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could I can't get through it. I cry every time. Every time that I get to certain parts because it's so like personal to me with my yeah, daughter and with our kids that yeah. our kids from youth group kids they were written for both of them and it just it just gets me and I've redone it now it's it's shorter than it used to be and yeah. I've taken out some of the modern things that were in the ancient story you know and kind of so you couldn't even get through your own book so you couldn't I, I need to do the audio book if it comes time comes down to I've got a pretty good voice oh yeah I would be honored to do the audio book John Johnny I think you know why I've called you here. So this is. An, <laughs> I'm going to write a, a number on this piece of paper, okay? And I'm going to throw it to you because we're social distancing, right? Uh, in a, as a paper airplane, if it makes it to you, you're going to want to open it up. Oh, okay. You're going to want to. Is it a round number? <laughs> Bad <laughs> joke. <laughs> it's a nice round number. Yeah, Laura has that joke. She always is like, because Laura. Laura wants to be in better shape all the time. I was like, honey, you're in great shape. She's like, yeah, well, round is a shape. She yeah. always says that by herself. Honey, you look amazing. So right. but that's her. That's well, like a dad joke that a that a, a mother can get away with or a wife. Yeah. It's not fair. Because it's like the self-loathing is in there. I hate that, though, that women are too hard on, each, on oh, themselves. She's, they're hard on each other and they're hard on themselves. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, Curry's always just, yeah, they tear each other. And I do it, too. I mean, I have... I have uh, body image issues, you know, more yeah, so do. than most guys do. I think because I think I think we're raised in a culture that thinks that guys don't have those issues, and now we're starting to really become aware. Sure, uh, that it's not true. I mean, yeah. we, we're there's magazine covers with ripped dudes on it too that we look at and go, right, I'll okay, never have abs. Yeah. I'm a jerk. Oh, fine. Yeah, and you just feel less than. But uh, women, I think it's just it's cultural for sure i mean even like we did we talk about the whole zoom call thing where a guy can just like throw on a hat right. and like do a zoom call with his bank yeah you know but a woman has to like feel like i got i need an hour to get ready because i'm going to be judged more harshly if i don't have makeup yeah. and i'm done hair and i just think it stinks it's unfair and i don't know i don't yeah, like it. she's doing those calls now and she's one of the only females on like all the teams of right. managers and stuff you know and so we she would be great to talk about this next time she's on because I mean, there's a lot. I don't really want to hear from her. I just want to say that I, I, I understand her perspective. I wanna, can I just say I stand with her? Can I say that I, I, I want to express her perspective for her? And yeah, I just, we're so aware of it, and I, I don't want to hear any more about it. I, I'm just kidding. I would love it if she was here right now. Oh my goodness, she would light you up like a Christmas tree. It'd be so beautiful. It's fun. It'd she so fun. she's listening now though to the podcast, and in her mind, she's already thinking of comebacks. That's fine because I'm obviously being satirical and very right. sarcastic. This is obviously not being serious, no, everyone. Come on, whatever you do, don't Get clip out this here. out and go use it against Johnny on social media. It'll happen twenty all years from now. All the things that we said that weren't woke enough for fun, the new know. Byzantine standard by which we'll be judged twenty years from now. Well, I do worry about that. There's 113 episodes behind us, yeah. Johnny. Of uh-huh. things, and we do keep growing, you know. Yeah, and we're so. growing as people, and we're whatever. And it's you know, there's things. Yeah, yeah. It's like the old. What's the old saying? Don't believe everything you think. Like I don't believe everything I think. Sometimes I'll have a thought, and I'll say it into the microphone. I'll be like, you know what? And then later on, I'll be like, yeah, that was a dumb thing. Yeah. We're just we're we're growing. We're learning. Yeah, I read a quote this week that said, "The reason I write is so I can discover what I think." Yeah. You know, because for some of us, expression brings out. There's a lot of the times when I'm writing, I didn't know that was in there till it came out, you know, because the thought, it's like you're letting your thoughts flow yeah. visually, you know, on paper. So, but I don't know. No, it, it, we, we could keep changing, man, and, and that's okay. Um, well, jokes are that way for sure. And sometimes you like to take the funniest side. Like, obviously, the thing I said about Laura is like, that's the most offensive thing you could say. So it's, that's what makes it funny is right. I don't really feel that way. So it's funny. Like, And you know her and she would think it was right. funny. Right. Sometimes yeah. I like to take an issue... That's just like, even if it's a dumb, trivial thing and go like, everybody feels this way about this. Can I find the one opposite opinion and make it funny for the stage? Yeah. Like I was writing with some friends the other day and we were talking about a a bit that I've never done on stage, but I'd love to do. And I'm trying to figure out a way to do it. And it is about uh, like flies. People hate flies. It's just like, you know, they want to get away from my food. You're batting away the flies. It's like, get out of here. And I'm like, a fly is like they live eight days. <laughs> Let them have a bite. Like, yeah, yeah, like 
I feel like when I let a fly take a bite of my burger, I am granting his make-a-wish. That's how I feel as a person. Like, I've let him transition. Like, okay, buddy. Here Enjoy you your final meal. Enjoy. Yeah. And again, I don't, it's not, I'm not stating an opinion. It's just a thing of like, right. everybody feels a certain way about, and I'm trying to find, what's the one good thing about flies eating your food? And that's what I've come up with so far. Is wow. that it makes me feel altruistic when I don't bat away the fly. I'm like, you know what? Give them a minute. Let them lay some eggs and move on. <laughs> hey, God, you had me up to that. <laughs> Let them share. It's one thing. Let them deposit something on it. You don't want to eat some fly eggs. Uh, We probably do. Let's be honest. So, they are a delicacy in some countries. So I hear. So tiny, tiny countries. Hey, I do have a serious question for you. No. Okay. Was Michael Jordan's pizza poisoned? No. You don't because he insinuated, Tony. He He said it. He outright said it. First of all, that story since then. We've already talked about how I feel about that, about how it's not real journalism. And I thought he let himself look pretty bad several times. I think that if you knew how bad he really, I think that there, that's the that's the ginned up like glossy version of Jordan. So we can only imagine what it was. In other words, if you had, uh, if you knew they were doing a documentary about Barack Obama, about his life, and then you found out later that he was involved in the production of that documentary. Yeah. It would it would not it would cease to be uh you would you you would look at it differently. If same with Trump, same with anybody who has public uh purview. So anyway, all that said, the story that guy went on, okay, the pizza guy, they found him. The real guy who delivered the pizza. He was on Colin Cowherd last week. And he said, Look, this story's been going around forever. I made the pizza. I knew that it was gonna go to the Marriott that night, and I knew that it was probably Bulls players. I'm a Bulls fan. I made the pizza because I wanted it to be perfect because I knew it might be going to one of those rooms. He said it was me and one other guy because I wasn't normally a delivery driver. So I had to get a delivery driver to take me. I was a working like manager or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, goes, so I went to take the pizza. So this idea there were five people that showed up for the pizza. That's that was a lie. That was just it's just gr- the story's grown. And the five, pizza sh- five people show up and I'm like, oh, should I eat this pizza? Here's the other part. If you wanted to poison someone. Make food, a, food poison, them, right? Not, but, I'm, but it's poison. It's it's you're 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 treating it with something to make you somebody sound like Belba Devoe when you said poison. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is never trust a big button a smile. <laughs> we and listened Michael's to 90s radio the other day, and it was like we listened to 90s radio yeah. a lot. And when they, they, I know the song well. Yeah, I'm not proud of it, John. No, it's but when it said, it, it's really kind of like. Well written, articulate, and yeah. then it gets to that part. Uh-huh. Never trust a big butt and smile. And I turned to Laura. I was like, I just, I don't know, man. Like when you're writing all these great lyrics and this great melody and this great, like I don't know. I just to me, tell tell me he's wrong though. <laughs> that's what I shan't say a word. Okay. Here's what I'm saying though. Yeah. Let's say you're you're working there. You find out. First of all, if you have no idea it's Jordan, and let, here's the reason people thought it might be. Uh, here's what happened. It was out of their delivery zone. Right. And so they go, we need you to deliver. There's only thing open. And they go, we don't deliver there. And they go, it's for Michael Jordan. And that's what set it in motion. That's what, that's what the rumor is. That that's mm-hmm. what set it in motion. So the guy knew. Let's say that happened. Let's say that's real. First of all, it wasn't real because he said he was five. He was across the street, basically. He was li- literally like a mile away from the hotel. So that wasn't part of the deal. But if it was true and you go, I'm going to get him. I'm a Utah Jazz fan. I'm going to get him. I'm going to put some, what is it? What do you put in there? Let's say you're not experienced at giving people food poisoning. Right. How do you know that you're not going to kill the guy? I'm going to put just enough visine in this to make him throw up, but not enough to poison him to death. Yeah. Like you're you're committing a crime first of all. Yeah. Well, do you have old meat laying in the back that you're saving for the prank pizza? Like what are we saying about this person? Well, maybe they spit on it or something. You believe it's true, I guess. No, I was asking you if you believe it. I do. Here's the thing. What I what, what I think he was hung over. Where I differ a I little. I think he was up late. Yeah, night. but I think he was hung over a lot of the games and he was just fine. Yeah. I think he was super sick. Yeah. He may have just been sick. Well, they said they called the flu game for yeah, decades. Stomach, stomach right. bug or something. Right. I did not find it as like self congratulatory as you did because he did win six championships and yeah. the two years he was out, they did nothing. They no, went no, to no, the I don't think self congratulatory was the thing. I just thought his mindset towards like the way he bullied other players that were on his team. I thought that came out. And he thought it was for but he thought it was for the greater good and is unapologetic about it. Well now that but again 
I just don't think he comes off as a sympathetic figure. That does not mean I don't think he's the greatest player. That's the point. If he was able to yeah. be the executive producer of a film that let him look like an unsympathetic character, yeah. whether he's apologetic or not. But I don't think everybody sees him that way. I think there are people who watched it and said, like, oh, that he was... I mean, the, every yeah. player on there. Now, even what was it uh, Steve Kerr or whoever said he was a bully, Yeah, and he did not accept second best from us, and we went and won championships because of right. it. They weren't going to win championships without him. Yeah, but do you th- I just I just think there's other. Wa- that's the thing is like the greatness, whether or not he had to be a jerk to be great. That's the hard part. It's like when Scott Weiland. This is kind of a, a stretch, but Scott Weiland, who was singer of Stone Temple Pilots, okay, yeah, he uh, fought addiction his whole life and finally overdosed. I mean, his family on again off again family. It was a terrible. He was not a good dad. He was. It was just a bad situation because of heroin addiction. He dies. Now the rest of the band. If, is left picking up the pieces, and they hear from tons of their fans this. Well, you know, would he have been as great a creator mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for the addiction? Is that what that little bit of madness that fed the creative side is also what led him to those vices? And they're like, no, we wrote half these songs too. Yeah, we're good dads. We don't do this. We don't. So this idea that like, well. Of course Jim Morrison was going to be a whatever, because he's Jim Morrison. It's like, no, LeBron's never been in the news. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He doesn't, you know, there's no affairs and whatever and, uh, you know, punching teammates. I mean, there's people who don't like LeBron. There's, But I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not comparing LeBron and MJ. I'm just saying, like, there are other people that can have greatness without that touch of. But there was something, and I think that's what. Um, God, why do you love Jordan so much? I think the, his NBA commissioner, yeah. Stern. Yeah. Stern at the end says, and he's right. Stern says, because we finished it last night. Yeah. He says, there's no doubt that the 90s Bulls took the NBA and put it on a, a global. Uh-huh. They were in like 70-something countries before then right. and like 250 after. Yeah. Part of that's the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And there's no social media. Mm-hmm. Like, out of the players, it's hard to compare LeBron. You can compare the ability conversation Right, because he's all standing the on the shoulders of that. But this guy did something and was something, whether now Nike and Gatorade and all of that obviously contributed. Yeah. They were masterful marketers. There was a branding and an imaging that was happening as well. But he delivered every time. Yeah. He delivered on the court every time, all the way to the last shot, you know. And like that, uh, he had the right coach. Yeah. I mean, he had the right players around him. It was obvious in his early career, he did not, you know, they would make it. And he, he needed, he needed Pippen and, and he needed Rodman. He could not have done it by sure. himself. But Pippen and Rodman on the team without him probably are like the Jazz. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they're really well, good. Well, they were. They fell short. They had 55 wins that one year. Yep. You know, and they fell short. Can't, can't seal the deal and finish it. Yeah. So like there is something unique. And I thought, I don't know, for me, like, the interviews parts where he was like, guys, I may not be your role model, and yeah, I did, I gave that guy a hard time. I'm a, I'm a basketball player, I'm, I'm, this is, I just felt like that we were better than this. That, like, and they all knew he was a jerk, and he doesn't, the, I think what we're offended at is that he's unapologetic about that, because being a jerk. Well, everybody else had seem, seemingly like 20 years of perspective on their take. And it felt like he was still just there in the moment, still like, oh, man. Well, they said that. I got in shake my hand, and I still like have beef with him. Remember the guy, the author of Rare Air, who they were interviewing, uh-huh. who said the one thing he had more than anybody else was the ability to be present. Mm-hmm. They showed him walking in yeah. to, to Game 7. He's got headphones on. He's I mean, loose as all get out, man. Like right. he's just no. And we talked about that last podcast, and I agree that that's that's his best quality is that he could take the last shot with no fear of if I don't make this, it's going to affect my legacy. He didn't think that way. No. Uh, David so, said he said, "Why would I worry about a shot I haven't taken?" Yeah. Like he he somehow knew he's going to win, and yet mm-hmm. didn't worry about it. And I think that 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 freedom of it is something very unique. Um. No, obviously he cares about his legacy. He's allowing these films to be released. Well, I think he cares more now. Yeah. Um, for sure. That's just part of getting older. And maybe it's the 90s nostalgia of my childhood, but watching that, mm-hmm. it reinforced to me this was the greatest sports dynasty, in my opinion, of all time. But that's because I was a teenager in the middle of it, yeah. probably. I remember watching all of them from the 92 
I remember watching against the Suns, uh, against Clyde Drexler. I remember watching them twice against the Jazz. I remember watching those games against the in the in the conference finals against the Knicks. Mm-hmm. I remember all of those with John Starks. All those, like I remember all of it. I remember John Paxson was one of my favorite players. Hit that big shot. Pippen was my guy. I had a poster of Pippen in my room, so I didn't have a poster of Jordan. Yeah, but I've always loved. I've always loved the. Really good number two guy, you know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. just that's just a I don't know. It makes sense to me. And now you're an executive pastor. Come on, guys, hold on. I am Would the Scotty you Pippen. You're, you're Scotty Pippen. Oh my goodness, I do have this back injury. I don't know. If and that, you did sit out last week for a migraine. I did. I did. And refused to go back refuse. in. That was, that bothered me, man. Yeah. When, when Pippen set out and refused to go in, that was tough. Man, they they had to talk about it, but it felt like he got the short end of the straw as far as narrative, and it bugged me a little bit that Jordan didn't. I don't know, like the way he referenced him a couple times, he could have, I feel like he could have come to his aid a little more. And it just felt like he left him out there and threw him under the bus 20 years later. If I was, and I think Pippen has come out since then and said that he hated the way that he was portrayed. And I don't know. It's the thing is like documentaries have a narrative. So I think we, we grew up thinking like a documentary is just a thing where they just say facts and we look at historical, like documentaries have agendas now. And we know, we know that going in a little bit. See, I don't see it. I see it as an autobiography, and I obviously. But it, but autobiographies depend. on... Yeah, it's like you're who is telling the story matters. Yeah. So if Jordan has final cut, you're going to see it was the story of Jordan. Really, the last dance was pitched as the story of the Bulls, the yeah. last season of the Bulls in their dynasty. Yeah. But what it became was a, a, a Michael Jordan. How do you not have, have him lead the thing? But I'm just saying, I felt like a lot of those people, like you said, that he couldn't have won without them. And I felt like some of them got the short end of the stick. Horace Grant being one of the ones who I thought was just yeah. a glaring thing where he just left Horace out to dry, almost blamed him for just the whole... because Horace left and went to the to the Magic. And he holds it, holds it against him. It's the whole thing. It's like, it's yeah. just business, but until it's not. it's very Everything became very personal for Michael. Yeah. I don't know. You think he'll come on the show maybe and... If he, that's the only way you can clear this up. That's right. Uh, because we hold a, a massive audience in oh sway. Oh my goodness. Michael, if you care about your legacy, you'll come on this show, yeah. set the record straight. Mm. Otherwise, I got a feeling those numbers, look, you're riding high now. I think it's $145 million a year he still makes Jeez. from his brand. But listen, it could be 150 <laughs> If you would just come on, let us know. Also, can we borrow some money? <laughs> would you go to our Patreon account? Oh, man. You know, hey, speaking of, we had a great call last week with some of our patrons. We did. We patronized them. We did. It was fun. Um, it was uh, several who had wanted to show up, couldn't show up, but we had a couple on there, and we had a really good time. It was. It was a blast. We're going to have to do it again. Mm-hmm. So if, you, uh, if you're thinking about becoming a patron, just know those, those Zoom calls are out there where you can just ask us anything, and we'll talk about complete nonsense, but it'll be in a, in a private Zoom call that only you get access to. Yeah. Yeah. I was impressed how uh, funny on your feet you were. I felt like, yeah. I, here, speaking of throwing under the bus, I felt like there was a couple times I was like, am I throwing John under the bus here? Because I felt like I needed to keep driving the thing. And I was like, but I can't remember at one time in particular, I think I, I called attention to your house <laughs> again, where I was saying, oh, look at John's house versus where I'm sitting. And I was like, John, yeah. turn the camera around, show him your pool. Yeah. And I was like, am I really, like, am I being a jerk here? I almost called you after to be like, I'm sorry if I was being a, no, was a right. jerk. I'm just being silly. You know, I don't care. You know, I wish I well, had Well, yeah, I played right into it. I said, you can't see my pool from here. Oh, that's you right. Know, yeah, so. <laughs> it's 40 acres away. <laughs> yeah. No, you got to take the, the lawn cart to it. No, I, I was kind of, I was trying to let the call come to me yeah. a little bit, and yeah, man, you were you were going after it. It was like I was your pippin, you know. So it's exactly like you that. were going to take the last shot and the first shot, <laughs> and I took some shots you, at you. You landed <laughs> about fifty percent of your jokes. I and... punched you like he punched Steve Kerr, but you took it, and that's why. Listen, there was a moment when I punched you. But you took it, and I was like, you know what? I respect that guy. <laughs> and that's when I knew we're going to win the championship. I did, by the way, walk away with a lot. The Steve Kerr story is fascinating to me. Like that. Steve Kerr is – it's funny how, uh, yeah, you think of him as kind of just like this ordinary role player. I mean, he had some championship success, but just this idea that, like, as he's gone on, he was a great owner in Phoenix, GM, rather. Then his pedigree's just grown, growing. He was a great broadcaster. Mm-hmm. He, just, he just is an excellent person. Yeah. Like you see him, even his social media presence, yeah. he's very uh, vocal, but he just seems to always stand for the right things. I don't think he's a good guy, man. Yeah. I wonder if Steve needs a book. He's just a winner. Johnny Collum. 
Tell me, Noah guy. Uh, <laughs> me and Kerr, we're like this, man. He's up here with his friends. I'm down here. I'm the thumb. You're the thumb. Yeah. Always hey guys, oh, you're our friends though. And, you uh, are. You're our Pippin. We yeah. couldn't do it without you. No, we couldn't. What do would it. be the point of doing a podcast if without worth, listeners? Yeah, just mm. speak screaming into the ether. Oh my goodness! Just like uh, making our opinion known into the great. That's beyond. what most podcasts are. Yeah. <laughs> so we're glad you're listening. Yeah, it means a lot to us. Make sure you share it and uh, check us out. We have a new website you can go to. That's mm-hmm. talk about that podcast. All the episodes are archived there. Yeah, com, and you can see various platforms by which you can access the content. If you're new, man, you got 113 episodes. You can go back and and uh, listen to. Yep. We, I love hearing that someone's like, "Oh my gosh, I just discovered you," and it's like they're it's like they're binging something on Netflix, you know. And if they're going backwards, that'd be interesting. If you go backwards, you see us kind of devolve. You can see our yeah. ideas. Well, and you see us getting hopefully a little bit better at it along the way. We get yeah. a little bit better at conversation. Who knows though? Yeah, I think they've been good from the get go, but they they're 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 every episode's different, you know. And that's uh, true. So, well, and we, yeah, we had, we used up a lot of our good stories in the first few episodes. We had good stories and maybe less great at conversation. And now the conversation is good. And we're like, did we already tell this story? <laughs> there are times I wonder if we've told it before, but yeah, that's okay. But you know, I also learned as a pastor many years ago, the idea that someone remembers what I said, Johnny, the good news is, is they didn't. So that's I can true. say it again. Plus know? it's about the rendition of the story. John, that's mm, a callback. Guys, that's what we call a callback. The powerful play goes on. Oh my goodness. So yeah. Hey man. And so share it and be a part of what we're doing there. You can go to our Patreon account if you'd like to uh, support us and uh, be a part of our calls. And we send you a couple um, just goodies for what you do there, books and CDs and stuff like that. So uh, I'm actually one of our new patrons. We told them on the call, I'm sending them, I only have 10 copies, I think. The newest I'm sending book. Them a, a new book that has yet to be released even to this the is market. A, like a galley copy. Is that what those are no, called? No, it's an actual hardcover release Okay, that the book release got uh, postponed because of the quarantine. Right. And it was going to be on the Today Show, the author, and so he hopefully still will be, but fascinating books and a, and a great story. So, hey, those patrons, Johnny, are getting, getting something mm-hmm. nobody else has even seen, you know. Man. My goodness. And Michael Jordan autographed it. That's what's crazy. Why would he? In a twist. I don't know, Johnny. That doesn't make any sense at all. When they came that way. It's not his book. (laughs) (laughs) No, it means a lot, though, that you listen and uh, send us your comments and your topics. Uh, Go and leave a review. Uh, It means a lot to us when you do that. And uh, we appreciate all of you guys for being a part of what we do every week on. Talk about that. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word Kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.